Chapter One of Superseded from Two Sides of a Question by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter One Prologue Miss Quincey Stops the Way. Stand back, Miss Quincey, if you please. The school was filing out along the main corridor of St. Sidwell's. It came with a tramp and a rustle and a hiss and a tramp urged to a trot by the excited teachers the first division first half woman carrying itself smoothly with a swish of its long skirts with a blush a dreamy intellectual smile or a steadfast impenetrable air as it happened to be more or less conscious of the presence of the head then the second division light-hearted irrepressible making a noise with its feet loose hair flapping pigtails flopping to the beat of its march then the straggling diminishing lines of the third a froth of white pinafores a confusion of legs black or tan staggering shifting shuffling in a frantic effort to keep time on it came in a waving stream a stream that flickered with innumerable eyes a stream that rippled with the wind of its own flowing that flushed and paled and brightened as some flower face was tossed upwards or some crest flame-coloured or golden flung back the light a stream that was one in its rhythm and in the sex that was its soul obscurely or luminously feminine it might have been a single living thing that throbbed and undulated as girl after girl gave out the radiance and pulsation of her youth the effect was overpowering your senses judged st sidwell's by these brilliant types that gave life and colour to the stream the rest were nowhere so at least it seemed to miss cursiter the head that tall lean iron-grey dignity stood at the cross-junction of two corridors talking to miss rhoda vivian the new classical mistress and while she talked she watched her girls as a general watches his columns wheeling into action a dangerous spot that meeting of the corridors there the procession doubles the corner at a swinging curve and there time it as she would the little arithmetic teacher was doomed to fall foul of the procession daily miss quincey thought to dodge the line daily it caught her at the disastrous corner then miss quincey desperate under the eye of the head would try to rush the thing with ridiculous results and fate or the order of the day contrived that miss cursiter should always be there to witness her confusion nothing escaped miss cursiter if her face grew tender for the young girls and the eight-year-olds at the sight of miss quincey it stiffened into tolerance cynically braced to bear miss cursiter had an eye for magnificence of effect and the unseemly impact of miss quincey was apt to throw the lines into disorder demoralizing the younger units and ruining the spectacle as a whole to-day it made the new classical mistress smile and somehow that smile annoyed miss cursiter she miss quincey was a little dry brown woman with a soft pinched mouth and a dejected nose so small and insignificant was she that she might have crept along for ever unnoticed but for her punctuality in obstruction as st sidwell's prided itself on the brilliance and efficiency of its staff the wonder was how miss quincey came to be there but there she had been for five-and-twenty years she seemed to have stiffened into her place five-and-twenty years ago she had been arithmetic teacher vaguely attached to the second division and she was arithmetic teacher still 
miss quincey was going on for fifty she had outlived the old head and now she was the oldest teacher there twice as old as miss vivian the new classical mistress older far older than miss cursiter she had found her way into st sidwell's not because she was brilliant or efficient but because her younger sister louisa already held an important post there louisa was brilliant and efficient enough for anybody so brilliant and so efficient that the glory of it rested on her family and when she married the greek master and went away juliana stayed on as a matter of course wearing a second-hand aureole of scholarship and supporting a tradition she stayed on and taught arithmetic for one thing and when she was not teaching arithmetic she was giving little dictations setting little themes controlling some fifty young and very free translators of le philosophe sous les toits miss quincey had a passion for figures and for everything that could be expressed in figures not a pure passion nothing to do with a higher mathematics which is the love of the soul but an affection sadly alloyed with baser matter with rods and perches firkins and hogsheads and articles out of the grocer's shop among these objects miss quincey's imagination ran voluptuous riot but upon such things as history or poetry she had a somewhat blighting influence the flowers in the school anthology withered under her fingers and the flesh and blood of heroes crumbled into the dust of dates as for the philosopher under the roofs who he was and what was his philosophy and how he ever came to be under the roofs at all nobody in st sidwell's ever knew or ever cared to know miss quincey had made him eternally uninteresting yet miss quincey's strength was in her limitations it was the strength of unreasoning but undying conviction nothing could shake her belief in the supreme importance of arithmetic and the majesty of its elementary rules pale and persistent and intolerably meek she hammered hard facts into the brain with a sort of muffled stroke hammered till the hardest stuck by reason of their hardness for she was a teacher of the old school thus in her own way she made her mark among the other ciphers the irrelevant and insignificant figure of miss quincey was indelibly engraved on many an immortal soul there was a curious persistency about miss quincey miss quincey was not exactly popular the younger teachers pronounced her cut and dried for dryness conscientiously acquired passed for her natural condition nobody knew that it cost her much effort and industry to be so stiff and starched that the starch had to be put on fresh every morning that it was quite a business getting up her limp little personality for the day in five-and-twenty years owing to an incurable malady of shyness she had never made friends with any of her pupils her one exception proved her rule miss quincey seemed to have gone out of her way to attract that odious little laura lazarus who was known at st sidwell's as the mad hatter at fourteen being still incapable of adding two and two together the mad hatter had been told off into an idiot's class by herself for arithmetic and miss quincey because she was so meek and patient and persistent was told off to teach her the child a queer ugly little pariah half jew half cockney held all other girls in abhorrence and was avoided by them with an equal loathing she seemed to have attached herself to the unpopular teacher out of sheer perversity and malignant contempt of public opinion abandoned in their corner with their heads bent together over the sums 
the two outsiders clung to each other in a common misery and isolation miss quincey was well aware that she was of no account at st sidwell's she supposed that it was because she had never taken her degree to be sure she had never tried to take it but it was by no means certain that she could have taken it if she had tried she was not clever louisa had carried off all the brains and the honours of the family it had been considered unnecessary for juliana to develop an individuality of her own enough for her that she belonged to louisa and was known as louisa's sister louisa's sister was a part of louisa louisa was a part of st sidwell's college regent's park and st sidwell's college regent's park was a part no st sidwell's was the whole it was the glorious world miss quincey had never seen or even desired to see any other that college was to her a place of exquisite order and light light that was filtered through the high tilted windows and reflected from a prevailing background of green tiles and honey-white pine from countless rows of shining desks and from hundreds of young faces light the light of ideas that streamed from the platform in the great hall where three times in the year miss cursiter gave her address to the students and teachers of st sidwell's now miss cursiter was a pioneer at war with the past a woman of vast ambitions a woman with a system and an end and she chose her instruments finely toiling early and late to increase their brilliance and efficiency she was new to st sidwell's and would have liked to make a clean sweep of the old staff and to fill their places with women like rhoda vivian young and magnificent and strong as it was she had been weeding them out gradually as opportunity arose and the new staff modern to its finger-tips was all but complete and perfect now only miss quincey remained st sidwell's in the weeding time had not been a bed of roses for miss cursiter and miss quincey blameless but incompetent was a thorn in her side a thorn that stuck impossible to remove miss quincey quickly she was so very blameless and she worked so hard she worked from nine till one in the morning from two thirty till four thirty in the afternoon and from six thirty in the evening till any hour in the night she worked with the desperate zeal of the superseded who knows that she holds her post on sufferance the terrified tenacity of the middle-aged who feels behind her the swift-footed rivalry of youth and the more she worked the more she annoyed miss cursiter so now above all the tramping and shuffling and hissing you heard the self-restrained and slightly metallic utterance of the head stand back miss quincey if you please and miss quincey stood back flattening herself against the wall and the procession passed her by rosy resonant exulting a triumph of life End of chapter 1 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine